Hello, welcome to Kings and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. And if you've been listening all week, you'll know that that's the first time that the introduction music has gone off without an issue. It's never too late for a Christmas miracle, I guess. Today is episode 209, and we are continuing our analysis of uh, All Things Must Pass by George Harrison. Today's song is What is Life, which was, of course, released on All Things Must Pass November 27th, 1970, but it was also released on February 15th, 1971 as a single. And in the UK, it appeared as the B-side to My Sweet Lord, but everywhere else, it was the A-side and it was backed with Apple Scruffs. Um, and this is one of those songs, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't like it. In fact, if you don't like this song, I have two questions for you and I'd like you to, to write in. I'll give you, um, uh, directions on how to write in at the end. I have two questions. What is it that you don't like about this song? And why are you listening to this episode of the podcast? Those are my two questions. So if you don't like this song, I expect uh, emails or phone calls. And if I don't get any, then I will. it will only reaffirm my notion that nobody doesn't like this song. It's a great little pop rock song. It was written supposedly while Harrison was traveling to some Billy Preston sessions he was producing in mid-1969. So Preston comes in, does the get back sessions. Um, and then after that, Ringo goes off and does a movie through all of February. And so there's a little bit of a hiatus and uh, uh, recording for Abbey Road starts, I believe, in March, but it's kind of, you know, sporadic and all that. So in the meantime, George is producing Billy Preston's first record for Apple. Um, And so he comes up with the song rather quickly, he said, and had it in mind to do for Billy Preston. I can't imagine, right? and, And this is only somebody like... George Harrison or Ray Davies or somebody could do this. I couldn't imagine writing something as solid as what is life and thinking, I'll just give this to Billy Preston. I'll give this to somebody else to have a hit with. But he also did it with My Sweet Lord. Um, and so this is mid-1969. And because uh, those sessions were kind of sporadic too for a few months, um, which means he composed it in time for inclusion on Abbey Road. But he never offered it to the Beatles. And it really makes you think if George had had something, Here Comes the Sun and What Is Life on Abbey Road, it would have been a game changer. That alone might have broke up the Beatles if he'd come in with those three songs for Abbey Road. Um, but my guess is that had he offered it to the band, one of those three songs would have been issued as a non-album single because any of them could have been number one hits. Um, You'll see a lot of writers and commentators refer to this track as an R&B or Motown track. And in its and in its roots, I suppose it is. Um, but this is another instance where Phil Spector gets in the way. And it's not quite too much, but it's right on the line. And it does take some of the soul sound out of the track. Because I don't know if you listen to a lot of Motown records, but they use the reverb very tastefully. And they don't have... Th- 30 acoustic guitars strumming in the background, all with the reverb cranked to 11. So perhaps if this was recorded for 33 and a third, which is an album I consider to be George's R&B album, maybe then we would have heard more of that influence. Um, But it does kind of peek through here and there. There are elements to what was released that still maintain 
that kind of Motown feel. That said, this is one of the few documented cases where Phil Spector has actually reigned in a bit. And there might have been more um, that we don't know about. But for the 30th anniversary box, the instrumental track for this song was released as a bonus track. And it included some really obnoxious horn additions that were wisely removed from the final product. So as overdone as this one was, it's actually not the the full production that maybe Spectre would have wanted. Uh, the personnel on this track includes George Harrison on all the vocals, lead and backing, lead guitar, acoustic guitar, and slide guitar, Eric Clapton's playing that really cool rhythm guitar part, Bobby Whitlock on organ, Carl Rattle on bass, Jim Gordon on drums, Jim Price and Bobby Keys on horns, Badfinger on acoustic guitars, and Mike Gibbons on tambourine. Um, and if a lot of these names sound familiar, pretty much everyone there who wasn't already in Badfinger ended up in Derek and the Dominoes. So this is basically, you've got George Harrison backed by Derek and the Dominoes and Badfinger. That's the band. And it's like, you know, 12 people or whatever it is. It's a big band. Track was a top 10 hit around the world, and Harrison became the first ex-Beatle to have two top 10s in America. And keep in mind, he's got his second top 10 hit, and this is only 10 months after the release of McCartney, which is really the first proper solo album by any of the band. You know, they'd all had projects released in one way or another before then. But really, and and that's also McCartney is really the album. The release of that album is really what marked the end of the Beatles because he had printed that press release with it, talking about how he was never going to record with them again. So that was really the breakup of the Beatles was 10 months before George had his second top 10 hit worldwide. So he's kind of on a roll at this point, and it's a roll that lasts really through 1970, like the first three, four years of his solo career. Musically, this is a rare straight-ahead rocker from George. Um, we talked about Wawa a few days ago. Uh, I like that song. This track just sticks to a standard four-to-the-bar meter, uh, like most rock songs do. And even the harmony is relatively simple by Harrison standards. Um, it's not totally simple he does put a lot of hooks in his chord progression on this song like he does with all of his songs but he's also just using basic major and minor chords there's no diminished and augmented and nines and all that kind of stuff that he likes to throw in a lot none of the naughty chords as he calls them um so let's start with the track opening which is got that iconic fuzz guitar riff which is in the key of e um and it's written over basic one four five chords so the bulk of this opening intro is either A, A or E, A, or B. Okay. So um, and it doesn't really deviate from that until after he's played the riff and he's going into the first verse, he throws in a D chord that we'll talk about in a minute. Um actually we'll talk about it now because that D chord is a major hook because it doesn't really belong in the key of E and in the opening, he resolves it up to B. There's your D. There's your B. That's not a resolution. These chords do not resolve. But at the end of the intro, he uses that B chord to go into an E.
all right, so that's kind of cool. He's using it like as a four of or a five of four to five. Not really traditional, but it, I mean, it sounds good. Um, but it's not that D chord is, you know, you've got this. That D chord's a hook. And it's a major hook that he's going to use at the end of every verse, although he does use it a little bit differently later on. Um, the main riff, though, is actually really simple. So like I said, he starts on an E chord, and the riff begins on an E. Okay, so he's in this E chord. There's your opening note. And then he just goes down the E major scale. That's it. And then um, he lands on a B. So he's going down E, G sharp, uh, C sharp, B. He ends on that fifth. And that's part of the E chord. It's in there. But it's the way he's playing it, he's using it as an anticipation into the next chord, which is B. Okay, so he's hitting that, that root a little bit of on the upbeat, a little bit ahead of where the band is actually changing the chord. So it works harmonically and as an anticipation. So after he's they've established that B chord, he goes up to a D sharp and then just goes down the E major scale to A. So now we've gone. That's uh, uh, 1 to 5, and then 7 to 4, and then A to B, because that's what the, the band is playing. So he does the same thing there where he hits the A a little bit ahead of where the band is actually changing chords, except in this exact case, it is an anticipation, because A is not part of the B chord. So in this instance, it is an anticipation. It's not just another harmonic um, thing. Then there's a little turnaround uh, that gets him up to from A to B. And he starts over. And then each time he goes through this, this riff, you know, it adds more stuff to it. And then you've got like uh, Clapton's little. That's a cool little rhythm guitar part that he's got. Um, but to summarize, it's basically just a descending major scale that starts in different spots depending on the chord he's playing over. The first scale begins on one, the second scale begins on seven, and they just go down, you know, down four. Um, and also, all, all, all of this also plays under the chorus. So this, this whole section is repeated several times um, with and without the riff. But the verse is where you really feel that Motown influence. Because um, it's at this point that Jim Gordon does a steady four beat, which is very much in the style of Motown. And then the chord progression has that bright and optimistic quality that Motown music often had, uh, where he starts on an E chord, then moves up to the five, which is B. And then he goes to a C sharp major. Now, usually the chord would be minor. It's the same progression as I want to hold your hand, except the Beatles went to the minor. So where the Beatles would have gone, oh, yeah, I tell you something. Goes to the minor there, C sharp minor. On this, and it's different keys, but it's the same um, 
one to five to six progression. So on this one, Harrison goes to the major. So that's cool. Um, he gets to this chord using a little turnaround. So it doesn't really feel like uh, he's changing keys or anything, but he is kind of jumping to C sharp. All right. So instead, so from there, he jumps up a fourth. So now we're in C sharp, sort of. I'm putting that in quotes. <clears throat> and. Um, so he goes up a fourth, but instead of playing a major chord on the four, which would be F sharp, he plays it as a minor. So he's going from C sharp major to F sharp minor. Okay, so um, this chord, the F sharp minor, happens to be the two chord in our home key of E. So this may not make much sense, but suffice to say, he goes major when the key would dictate minor. And then from there goes minor when the key would dictate major, and it brings him right back to where he started. Right? We are on the two chord of the home key, except it doesn't get go home. Right? Because where most guys, they would do the C sharp. Then they hit the F sharp minor, that's the two. Then they'd go to a five. And then you back to one. does not do that because why would he um so instead of doing the two five like most players would he slides up a half step to g which has no business being anywhere near this song and then resolves the phrase from g to its tonic of d right so what he's done here is he's just out of nowhere switched the key to d and he's done this g to d cadencing and now we're in the wrong key. So he goes through all these hoops to get one step away from the home key. All he had to do was throw in a B7 and we'd be back to E. Only to resolve the verse a whole step lower than he started. So this is what we've got. One. So there we are either in the key of D or he's cadencing to G, right? Regardless, he's not in the key that he needs to be in to get this done. So how does he transition back to E? He doesn't. He just goes to E. Really by doing that short little break with that. That short little break after his cadence, he's allowing the harmony to reset itself. No fancy modulation necessary. And when you look at it on paper, from a strictly music theory standpoint, it doesn't look like it's finished. Right? It looks like it's missing a chord or or two chords or something in there to get you back to, to E. Um, but when you hear it, it's perfect. It's pop perfection. Um, beyond that, it's more the same. There's no bridge on the tune, just verse and chorus, and then an instrumental break in the middle that replays the intro. It's nothing short of brilliant, though, and it really pisses you off sometimes if you think that the Beatles broke up when they did, because this would no doubt have been a mega hit for them had they stuck around for one or two more albums. I imagine if if there was a recording session after Abbey Road, you know, George maybe would have 
said, all right, I'm never going to get around to recording these songs on my own, so I'll give them to, to the band. So if you don't like this song, I need to hear from you. Email me at kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. Call me at 925-494-1739. Join our Facebook group. Um, I forget what the address is on that. Or you can join our new subreddit, which is r slash herohabit. Or find me on Twitter at kinksandbeats. I need to hear why you hate this song and why you listened all the way through the end of this podcast. All right. That's it for our first week back from hiatus. We will continue next week, if you're listening to this in real time, we'll continue next week with um, more from Lola and All Things Must Pass. I thank you all for listening. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast on any platform you listen to that allows rating and reviewing. And if you love what I'm doing here and want to help us uh, keep it going forever without another year-long hiatus, please consider swinging by herohabit.com slash shop and uh, just throwing in five bucks. If everybody here through in five bucks. Uh, it would make a huge difference. All right. I will talk to you all next week. Have a great weekend. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. Herohabit.com. Collect your heroes. So I guess the post are all still broken. Not a Christmas miracle at the end of the show. <laughs>